I also bought my first lace front, y'all. I know the sellout begins. You're listening to Social Misfit. We doing it. We doing it. Wake up, Wendy. We doing it. What's going on, Misfits? I'm feeling good, feeling great. We are here. It's a beautiful day in New York City, Brooklyn, New York, to be exact. Um, I'm sitting on my couch. Now, I don't know if you guys know this. Like when I first started doing this podcast, um, it originally was supposed to be set at my dining room table. And um, and then I realized that like the chairs at my table are so squeaky. You could always hear them like, and then I started having people come over and we would do it on my couch. And uh, then I started going out and interviewing people in different locations at their place, yada, 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 got lazy, procrastinated, wrote a book, fell off. And then I was like, you know what, today, girl, just sit on your couch. Just take it back to the couch. So if you're watching, yes, the video is up and running. If you're watching, I am back on the couch. Um, I'm serving you a Chiquita Negrita realness with this head wrap and these hoops, honey. That's because she needs to wash her hair. Um, I've been trying to wear my hair out more often uh, just because I got like bomb color. I've been coloring my hair forever. And it's been the same color pretty much. It's been like this reddish, reddish, uh, like a dark brown red. And I was sitting in my hairstylist. Shout out to Craig Carter, who is also now the head hairstylist for the Elijah Schlesinger sketch comedy project. I think it's coming out on Netflix or Comedy Central. I'm not sure. But if you watch Elijah Schlesinger's sketch comedy show, he's the head stylist. So all the hair looks all the hair looks are done by my stylist, Craig Carter, who I've been going to since I was like mm, 20 years old. And so I sat down in his chair about like mm, maybe a month ago. And I was like, hey, you know, what? I think I want to just spur the moment. I think I want to I think I want to lighten it. I think I want to go lighter. Let's go lighter. And so I have a really nice uh, light, lighter hue to my hair. So I feel like the world should see it instead of me putting it up under some crochet braids, which I probably will do as the winter sets upon us. I also bought my first lace front, y'all. I know the sellout begins. Yeah. When I was in LA, I bought a lace front and it's luxurious. It is. It looks like my hair. That's because I don't ever want to like do too much. I got to ease. I got to ease my way into 18 inches. You know, I'm a good 12 to 14 inch girl myself. I'm not talking about penis size, but I mean, that would be way too much penis. Anyway, I don't know why my mom went there, but um, I do know why, because I'm practicing celibacy right now. I, I have to say it with a question because I had to remind myself like, oh, yeah, I did say that I wasn't going to be having sex. Um, I stopped having sex in July. Well, let me preface that. I made the conscious decision to no longer pursue sex in July. I might have had sex a little bit before that, but it wasn't like I had sex and the next day I was like, I'm done. I was just like, yeah, I don't think I need it right now uh, because I'm getting older and I've haven't been in a relationship in a really long time. This is not what I wanted to talk about on this episode, but it, the spirit is working through me. Um, and I am very clear minded and very sound body right now because I have not smoked since October 1st. I'm doing a lot of things and I'm juicing right now too. So my skin looks amazing. If you're watching this video, I have no makeup on. That's just the ancestors shining through my pores, but I gave up penis. I gave up smoking weed. 
I don't know how long. I definitely said I will stop smoking until my book comes out, which is January 7th. And the penis thing, I think that one, I want that to be a more like organic conclusion to, you know, this little run. So if I start dating somebody and it gets serious and I like him, then yes, fine. But I don't want to do casual sex because it just doesn't. It's just like I've been doing that for for years. And and there's no shade if you into casual sex. Go out there. Blow your back out, pop them knees, twerk that butt if that's in your in your cars. But for me, I'm 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 a little chill. I'm good without it. I don't even know how I got started about my um non-existent sex life. Oh, hair, lace fronts. So I was in LA a couple weeks ago and my best friend out there, Miles, he took me to a place and we bought my first lace front. And I needed it. I needed it. I know this sounds crazy. I need I needed it. But I did, I did, and I do need it. It's for when I have to go out and do big meetings and, you know, especially like when I'll be doing press for the book. I just want to have a consistent look. Like the last thing I want to worry about is like how my hair is going to look. Because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you have some tresses, you ever been in the mood to go out and do something, you're like, oh, my God, my hair is going to drive me crazy. What am I going to do? Like, it don't even feel right. Like my hair, you ever have your hair not compliment your outfit? Like your outfit is cute and then your hair looks like you just got playing recess in third grade. And you just need a juice box to quench your thirst. Like, mm-mm. So I got me some nice sophisticated hair. So y'all can call me a sellout if you want to. But make sure you call me a sellout and compliment how good my hair looks. Because it will be looking amazing. So big news, y'all. Big news. I recorded my debut comedy album this Tuesday. Yep. This week it went down at the Village Underground. And it was amazing. It really was. I was in a very peaceful place. Uh, everything just flowed. It was no dead air. It was no him, huh? What do I want to talk about? It was none of that. I didn't even really talk to the audience like that because I just I just had my material. And I it, it was interesting because I didn't really spend as much time as I would have liked prepping to record the album. And when I say that, I mean like having the opportunity to go and run the hour. I have had some difficulties being booked in comedy clubs around the country, even after the Tonight Show, because, you know, that was a big thing. It's like, oh, you do the Tonight Show and then, you know, people will, of course, they'll book you. Somebody will book you. And that didn't happen. I've only been booked to headline one comedy club, and that was the Vermont Comedy Club. And they were amazing. The experience was great. The shows were packed and the audience was supportive and had people that drove from Canada to come see me. So it felt nice to have a, an audience who I don't know all the people but it was hard to get other weekend headlining gigs like that because for various reasons which I've talked about before being a black woman um, not I mean I have credit so I can't say it's the credit thing but it's like they don't really want to bank on someone like me because they don't think that I could sell and even if I can't sell out a club which is understandable for my first run they don't give the same amount of support, but that's neither here nor there. So I wasn't able to really run it, run it, but I was able to run it uh, several times at the 
Fatback Pussycat, which is another room that is owned by the Comedy Cellar. So the Comedy Cellar owns the original room, like the original Comedy Cellar on McDougal Street. And then around the corner, they own Village Underground, which used to be a music venue with live bands and musicians. But now they just do comedy shows there all every night during the week. And then upstairs, they have a smaller, more intimate lounge. So I was able to run that my hour in that lounge and kind of like workshop it. And it got in a really good place. And then when it was time to actually sit down and like write out the jokes in the order and I wanted to do them, I was like, damn, bitch, you got a lot of fucking jokes, like a lot of jokes. And during the first show, I did an eight o'clock and a 10 o'clock on the first show. I looked down at my watch, my Fitbit to be exact, because I'm counting my steps. And I was like, damn, girl, you've been up here like almost an hour and you still got like, like a good 20 more minutes of jokes that you wanted to tell. So what I did was I did those jokes at the start of the 10 o'clock show. So the majority of my album is going to be is going to be the first show, which was like great. And then I'll put like a couple of the jokes from the 10 o'clock show that I really want to get into that hour. And I feel like will flow like seamlessly. I'm going to put them in there. So um, I already listened to the rough tracks. Um, I'm going to like, I'm time coding them. Sorry, I'm adjusting my, my head wrap. I have a head wrap on. For some reason, it's like this one spot in my head where if I put a knot there, it just gives me a headache like my entire life. That's why I could never really do like the bandanas. You remember back in the day when everybody was wearing bandanas? I could never really do the bandana tied to the front like how Tupac used to do with the knot on the front. You know, like how Prince had his bandana tied up when he played the Super Bowl and it started raining. And he had to make sure that his conch was protected. Like this area right here in my front just gives me a freaking headache all the time. All the time. I don't know. Maybe that's where my third eye. That's maybe that's my portal to the universe. My ancestors talked to me there. I'm blocking my blessings. Um, so yeah, so that happened. So I'm very excited about my album. It is called Big Thick Energy. It will be out in December. Fingers crossed. I'm doing it independently because that's my brand. And I was very, very pleased with it. Extremely pleased with it. And it definitely helped that I have been juicing for the past what, two, three weeks because it just, even my voice, like I can tell the difference in my voice. I have, yeah, I just, I just sounded good, very clear, no nasal, no nothing. I do notice something about myself. Like whenever I'm doing like a long set, I get like a little sniffle and I don't, it's not sick. I'm not sick and it's not allergies, but I don't know what it is. Like I just hear like a little, like, I'll be saying something, talking on the microphone and I go like that. I don't know if it's just like an, like a little tick. I don't know, but I'm going to work into that. Another thing that I'm working on is therapy. Reached out to a therapist. Can't wait to get started. Mama has to go to therapy, y'all. She has to go to therapy. And I, I, I implore all of you to go to therapy as well. You know, I was talking to a friend last night and she's dealing with the same thing I'm dealing with, which is feeling this like overwhelming sense of, of like a loss of control. You know, there's so many things that you can, you feel that you can dictate about your life. But then really when you're in a new situation or a frontier, you've never voyaged before in my case, releasing a book, um, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm starting over in a whole new world. I have no grip. I have no control. I have no pull. I have no clout. And it's just really, it's really humbling. And it's also nerve wracking because you're like, am I doing this right? 
Did I make a mistake? Not to say, I'm not saying that writing a book is a mistake. Mm, no. I mean, I'm sure maybe some people, like if you plagiarize it and lied and said that this is your experience and then you still took that book deal and you released this book knowing that you lied through your motherfucking face, yeah, that's a mistake. But in my case, it's my real life. Um, and yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think that anybody in my life or anybody who I allude to in the book could be upset about their portrayal. But I'm sure somebody will find a way and that's on them. But it just it is it's this thing. It's also it's also getting older. You know, I'm turning 39 in December, you know, so which is like 40. Like nobody acknowledge nobody cares about 39. I'm just like I'm turning I'm turning almost 40 in December and it's uh the end of the year, the end of a decade. So it's a lot of a lot of conclusions that are happening, a lot of things that are being wrapped up, a lot of things that have been in the works that are gonna come to fruition or may not come to fruition. So it's a very awkward, emotional, vulnerable time. And so mama is going to therapy to really just line up all her ducks in a row to make sure that she doesn't end up crazy like Lauren Hill. Sidebar on Lauren Hill. Why are y'all still paying to go see Lauren Hill in concert? I would like to know why y'all doing this to yourself. She is performing one album that's come out all 20 years ago. And the arrangement is so crazy. You can't even bop your head to it. And she shows up late. So, Stop supporting bad behavior. Stop supporting bad behavior. If you know that this person is not going to show up and be the performer that you want to see, stop spending your hard-earned money. Just don't do it. And I'm not the one to stop another black woman's bag. But Lauren Hill has proven over and over again, she don't give a damn about your expectations. Okay? So just stop. Just stop. That's the main reason why I have never and I probably will never pay to see Bilal. And I love Bilal. I love Bilal. I think he's one of the best voices of our generation. But I could not pay to see him because I've just heard too many instances of him being unpredictable when it comes to live performances. And what you're not going to do, what you're not going to do is play with my $75. Okay? That's what you're not going to do. Or my $55. That's not happening. I'm not, that's not, that's not going down. Never. I heard one time Bilal did a concert and he had his back to the audience like he was Prince. And I said, sir, you need to about that face. Okay. I'm not doing that. So yeah, stop, stop paying for Lauren Hill. But yeah, I don't want to end up crazy like her. And I think the craziness, you know, you see it now with Kanye West, you see it with some other celebrities. It's like a part of it is there is, I believe, deep-rooted issues that we all have from childhood or experiences, life, work, relationships. And then I think that when those little, little fine cracks don't, when those fine cracks go unmended and then you add the pressure of celebrity, fame, exposure, criticism, social media, those cracks get bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, you're walking around with the San Andreas fault in your mind and it's just being filled up with paranoia, anxiety, and yes, men and women who just want you to keep doing what you're doing so they can make money off of you. So I'm telling you, mend those cracks, mend those cracks before you have a fault line and your shit falls into the abyss. Okay. Something that really weighed heavily on my heart and mind this week, and it was something that had been brewing, and I had mentioned it like on my Instagram story. Why do we treat people who work in fast food so bad? 
There was a video that was going around this week. This woman, she was complaining about her order. Apparently, she ordered a kid's meal. It was incorrect. She went inside. I think she ordered through the drive-thru. She went inside to get it corrected. She waited 25 minutes. Nobody addressed her or whatever the situation was. And she started pitching a fit. And then one of the man and threw her food. She threw her food at the staff. And then one of the managers at the McDonald's threw a blender and cracked her face. And she had this big old black eye and they like, you know, some stitches underneath her on her cheek. And I feel like a part of that is we treat people who work in fast food like shit. And it was a thing a couple weeks ago on Twitter, black Twitter, talking about what a living wage is and how they shouldn't have $15 an hour. Like people who work in fast food shouldn't make $15 an hour because it's a starter job and it's for teenagers. And it's like, no, you're wrong. Actually, actually, Fast food jobs, the average age is 29. It's a single parent with children who's going back to school for college. So we got to stop this myth of starter jobs in America because there's no such thing as a starter job. A job is a job. And the messed up thing about this mentality is that it comes from people who aren't themselves the most wealthy. It comes from people who are working or low, poor class do, you, do we say poor class, lower class, right? Lower, middle, upper class. Okay, low, lower, the lower class, the low class. Um, people who basically are working, you know, along the poverty line, because there's a lot of us that are working along the poverty line. It just we all one check away. Let's just be honest. So if you yourself work hard and you're making money, and you may be doing a job that's manual, manual labor, or menial labor, I can't remember. Um, and you still feel like such venom in your heart about someone else who's working at a fast food restaurant. It, it's like, it just proves to me over and over again how everybody wants to have some some sense of privilege. They want to have some sense of hierarchy. It's like, it's like a, it was a study that was done, don't quote me on who, but it was a study that was done where you took I think it was college students or students and they labeled some of the students inmates and they labeled some of the students like the officers who oversaw the inmates. And just by the labeling of those two things, you already saw how they like the human behavior changed and the people who were the officers really started to talk crazy to the people who were the inmates. Mind you, these were their classmates, like, you know, at the beginning of class, like these are people who they sat next to. They were all students. But once you gave one group a little bit of power, it just turned the whole dynamic and they started to really treat them like shit, which is, you know, what we see when it comes to police and civilians, especially people of color, black people, the same thing you're seeing with the whole homeland security and how they're treating these young, young families and moms and kids and men, children who are trying to come into this country for safety. Like, it's just that you just turn into this, this barbarian and you want to shit on another human being because you feel like you have some sense of power or privilege. And so if you yourself are working at a job and you're making what? $12 an hour, you shouldn't hate the fact that someone who's working in fast food could be making $15 an hour. Instead of you saying, fuck them, they don't need to make $15 an hour. You should be like, okay, let them make $15 an hour. And instead of me making 12, I need to be making 25. Let's all get this money. Like, why are you mad at somebody else? Because they're trying to, make a living wage. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And not to mention people treat people who work in fast food like shit. You know, how many videos do you see of people cussing folks out? Like I, I commented my fault. I should not have done this, but 
I commented on the shade room post and it was this effeminate male in a car and someone was videotaping him in the drive drive through as he talked to the woman at the window complaining about his order. And he was like, this is not my order. It's wrong. I asked for lettuce, mayo, no tomato, blah, like just like going down a laundry list of what they want on like a number five, which is already like problematic. Like this is not a fine dining experience. This is a fast food place where they have to turn out a certain amount of food within a certain amount of time where everything is already pre-made, pre-ordered, pre-set up. And you want to come in here and fucking strike shit off the menu like you in a Michelin star restaurant. That's number one. So your expectations already outnumber the total value of this experience. And the woman said, well, that's what you ordered. No, that's not what I ordered. I didn't order that, blah, 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 you know, turn it up. And so she was like, well, first of all, what you can do is get me off your camera. Now, mind you, the people who work in this restaurant, all people of color, black, black women in the window. When I talk about, remember the average age of a restaurant employee is 29 years old. So these are these women, 29, some college going, taking classes, got kids at school. So this is who he's talking to already. So they were like, first of all, you should, you could stop recording me. Oh, I mean, it ain't gotta be all of that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just want my order. You know, a matter of fact, give me my money back. See, he was already trying to escalate the situation because he had a camera rolling. See, that's the thing that I see so many videos of that where you want to dehumanize people who are working for what a fucking $5 chicken sandwich. Like get out of here, get all the way out of here. So if you don't want to treat these people with respect, of course you don't feel like they should be making $15 an hour. Right. But the thing is that it is a part of the economy. So if these people are making money, then they can not be in debt and they can get a better job and then more people can get those jobs. Like it's a cycle that we all need to understand that we are a part of. And just it blows my mind when people say that folks in fast food shouldn't be making $15 an hour. It's like, how do you expect people to live? Like, do you know what the average rent in New York City is? I don't even know anymore. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say for a one bedroom apartment in New York city, the average rent is probably like mm, 2,100 a month. I'm going to just, I'm going to just go out on a guess on that. I'm going to just say that. And so you want people who live in a city, like you want to wait, like where do you expect people who can't afford that to live? Like, I don't know. And the thing about it is, this is the sad part. I think it's by like year 2030. Most of these jobs, most of these like low, low paid, low wage jobs, low paid jobs are going to be automated. They're going to be, it's going to be a robot. So instead of you complaining about having extra ketchup on your $5 sandwich to a woman who's trying to make food and, you know, get food and clothing for her kids, you're going to be telling it to a robot. And you know what that robot going to tell you? Get the fuck out of here. ASAP. Okay. So now you have so many people that are going to be out of work because all of these like, you know, low skill jobs are going to go to machines. It's just like we should be fighting for people's right to make a living wage. And it, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that, that we just, that we, and I say we, and this, this economic class of people, which is not the 1%, like us who live and operate in a 99% still want to shit on people as though they shouldn't be entitled to a basic quality of life, including health insurance, including benefits, including unions, including like secure jobs, like education. Like, I don't understand. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So I just have to tap out. Sometimes I just have to not I just have to not do it. I just have to not listen to them because 
They're idiots. There are a lot of dumb people walking around here. Speaking of dumb people, Kanye West, plum fool. And let me tell you something. I know a lot of people who went to Howard University and they love to brag about how amazing Howard University is. But not one of them, not one of them on that quad doing Howard Homecoming had the black audacity to call that ignorant, mentally ill motherfucker out. Not one, not a single one. He was just in Utah the week before talking about how slavery was still the choice. And he means everything he says about, you know, the race problem in America not really being a problem. And y'all turn around and welcome him with open arms. If y'all don't get the historically black college fuck out of here, Howard. All y'all, Howard, up, up, up out of here. No, I did not go to a black college. I went to NYU. So... Yeah, that's my experience. Let's see what else did I want to talk about. I'm not doing police brutality videos no more. I'm sorry. I'm not. I I if I will never watch another police brutality video. It serves me no purpose. Serves me no purpose to watch it. And I really want us to stop being surprised at the brutality that is out there in the world. Like, yes, these are these are animals these are animals who would shoot a 16 year old in the back of the head that's the headline I just read a cop in Fresno shot a kid and killed him in the back of the head 16 year old boy like but there's no need to watch the video because you know what it is it is you know what it is I don't, don't want to say it is what it is but you know what it is and another thing that also is very triggering you know when the man in the white house had the nerve to say that the the impeachment proceedings was a lynching that he was being lynched and then for some reason Black Twitter felt the need to dig up photos of lynchings and post it on their timelines and on Instagram as well. And I had to say, stop. I had to say, stop. This is exactly what I said. I'll read it to you. Dear black people, there's no need to post photos of lynchings. They know damn well what happened to us at the hands of their ancestors and they don't care. You are, you've only triggered us. And I was triggered. I was so triggered. I mean, why? Why do I need to see the burning bodies of black men and women? The the charred remains. Why do I need to see tar being tarred and felt like 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 we know that like you don't even understand if you are a black person in America, you don't ever need to see another photo of a lynching ever again because you know what it is and you feel that pain. Even if you think you don't know, you know what it is and you feel the pain because it's been passed down to us genetically via PTSD, okay? Scientifically proven racism creates the same reaction as war in the mind of a human being, and it goes passed down genetically from generation to generation. That's why if you're a person of color in this country, if you're black, you can walk into a situation and the hairs on the back of your neck raise up. You know your body reacts to that energy. It's innate to us. So there's no need to sit there and dig up pictures of lynchings. It just triggers us. We know what the experience is. We don't need a reminder. They need to know what's up. But they know. That's what I'm saying. They know. They say they don't know, but they know. And I don't mean 
all people know. I'm saying the folks who imply that they're being lynched are old enough to know what lynching is. Donald Trump and all the people in his in his entourage, all the folks who are backing him, all the folks who are ripping his country apart, all those old white male politicians, they are old enough to know what lynching is. They've probably seen it or heard it in their places that they've come from. They are aware. Now, there might be some younger white people in this country who don't know because we're not teaching African-American history with the truth and honesty that it needs to be taught because we want to lie to ourselves about how severe it was. But there was a time in this country when people were tarred and feathered. Okay, that's not like it's not like just a euphemism. There was a moment in this history, in this country where white people, mobs, would kidnap black people, accuse them of a crime, or just for shits and giggles, they would tar them alive. While they were alive, they would pour a hot fucking tar that you use to pave a street. They would cover their body and then they would throw feathers on them, chicken feathers on them. And then when the tar dried, it suffocated them. Or if the burns, if the pure heat of the tar didn't kill them first and you could never get it off your skin would come off your actual skin would come off with the tar so at that point you just hope you just hope you die will be what would be the point of surviving that so the humiliation from being castrated from being hung from being dragged by the back of uh, cars or carts or horses being ripped apart like the brutality that they bestowed that they put upon us we don't need a reminder we know what the fuck is up so let's stop acting like we educating folks. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. They don't care. So we need to stop reopening our wounds. We don't need to acknowledge what happened. We know what happened in the past. They need to acknowledge. And if they don't want to acknowledge, then then I don't I don't want to say like move the fuck on, but it's just like we got to do what we got to do. Whatever that means, do that. Whatever that means, do that. That's all I'm saying about that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think this concludes another episode of Social Misfit. Uh, this is a misfit moment. I don't know what I'm going to call this episode. I- I'll play it back and see what moves me. But um, but I felt good. I felt it was a good conversation. I really feel your energy. Um, Winnie has been snoring the entire time. You want to hear her snoring? This this bitch stopped snoring when I put the microphone next to her face. She's so fucking shady. I can't believe her. Anyway, thank you guys for watching and listening to Social Misfit with me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. Um, I appreciate you guys for all the support and all the DMs and all the congratulations and all the thank yous. I, it really means a lot to me. It really does. And I don't take it for granted. I do not. So I'm excited for... The journey that we are going to go into in 2020 i'm talking like it's december 31st but you know let's get ready get gear get excited go to therapy eat right live right you know have sex don't have sex do you hear don't do you hear whatever you need to do to make you feel whole happy let's do those things okay it might just be the celery juice talking but i do feel it in my heart i do feel it in my heart so thanks for listening guys i'll see you soon right see me or you hear me soon 
I don't know. I got to figure out how to end this. Somebody drop me a comment and tell me the right thing to say at the end of these. Because I don't know. I don't know. But I'm trying. Okay? Bye.